Well, good morning. We are so excited you have joined us for worship at Luke 418 this morning. A couple of announcements as we begin. We've been talking about our senior adult trip to Branson. That is, uh, there's information in the lobby at the, at the information table. You can pick that up. A deposit holds your spot. And we have uh, about half the bus full at this point. We have plenty of space. But the deadline for that is October 15th. So you need to make that decision. If you have any questions, see Brother David or I after the service. But again, there's a form uh, at the information table they can, that explains everything about that trip. Going to be a great time in Branson with a bunch of fun people. Senior adult trips are a great opportunity to get to know each other and spend time with your pastor, which uh, is special in its own way. <laughs> Deacon nominations are happening. If you have someone you would like to recommend, there is a uh, form in, at, the, at the information table, the welcome desk. It tells you the, the ways to do that. Please read those instructions carefully and how to, to nominate a deacon here at Luke 418. Our new member class is coming up. If you, are, if you are worshiping with us but have yet to join and you are interested in becoming a member, our first class will be on October 8th. It meets for three Sundays in a row. And you can sign up for that and let us know so we can be expecting you for that. Finally, I wanted to thank those who were here on Saturday. There were men and women. There was a bunch of folks, we don't have names, that came and, and cleaned up our new property. They, they weed it and cut and did a great job. When you leave today, you'll be able to see that over there. We'll have another opportunity for that if you want to be included in a, in a couple of weeks. But we're um, thankful for those who served the body of Christ in that way. So let's uh, begin worship. That's it. No, I, it's it's that I haven't seen Brother Randy in so long. He's been on and off on a uh, wild uh, adventure. But I'll tell you that everywhere he, that he has gone, the Lord has gone with him and has been working through him. And uh, he's been working on some of our missions partnerships. That's so very important. The, the relational aspect of the, the this church body does not stop at the door, right? We need to be with and through and uh, talking to, to people during the week. And he went halfway across the world to go talk to somebody about what Luke 418 Fellowship can do to help. We're so excited about that. Let's pray together and then we'll get started this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we know that you are the God of the ages, that you have no beginning and no end. We know that you are the God of all nations and tribes and tongues, Lord. We pray that today we would listen and obey, that we would hear your word and let it sanctify us because your word is truth. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're a guest with us, we'd love for you to fill out the information card that's right in front of you and put it in one of those boxes in the back. Uh, let's go ahead and stand together. Why don't you welcome someone around you to Luke 418 Fellowship today. Let's sing together. What a fellowship. What a joy divine. What a fellowship. What a joy on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessedness with my Lord so near. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from I'll tell you, we have not sung that song in 59 weeks. So it's been a little while, and uh, some of y'all may not even know that song. But the timeless truth that His promises are true and that we can rely on Him are there. We know that Jesus held 
Scripture to the highest standard as well. And in John 17, he's praying to the Father with his disciples. And he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me, meaning Jesus, into the world, I have also sent them into the world, meaning his disciples. That means you and me as well. For their sakes, I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in what? In truth. So anything that's in that Bible, we take that in and we apply it to our life. We trust and we obey today. Let's sing together. When we walk with the Lord in the How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain we could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the the darkness, your loving kindness, tore through the shadows of my soul. Amen. The work is finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ, my living Imagine so great a mercy. What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. Sing this this morning. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven, amen. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Christ, my living hope. 
Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Let's sing that again. Then came the morning that sealed the that means that we can check in with him over and over and over again. Read his word, apply it to our life. And that saving power is going to bring us to that day when we will see him face to face. Let's run to the Father today. I've carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation to let it all go. And I see it now. I'm laying it down. And I know that I need you. Run to the Father, fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again. Your son for redemption, the price for my heart. I don't have a contest for that kind of love. I don't understand, I can't comprehend all I know. Father, I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father again and again and again and again. Oh. 
Come from me. 
in any way you choose. Oh, Father, use my ransom life in any way you choose. And let my song life as a living sacrifice the life that we live now we live by faith in you because you loved us so much that you gave yourself on the cross we pray that today that we will walk in a manner that is worthy of the gospel that we would love our neighbor as ourselves and forgive because we have been forgiven so so much we pray that today that we would see these proverbs lord and take them to heart as your guide uh, for living. We thank you for your revealed word that we don't have to second guess who you are, that you've revealed that to us. We're so thankful. Lord, we pray for those that uh, are not in attendance today due to, to sickness or uh, to, to things going on in their life, Lord. I pray that we would all keep the faith together, putting our hope only and squarely on you today. We pray that... Uh, that day when we all sit together at that banquet table, Lord, that we would have our eyes on you. We love you, Lord. We thank you so much for this day that you have made. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To the hungry and thirsty soul, to the broken and lost, if you're longing for joy divine, whatever the cost, well, there's a haven for weary souls. And it's not far away You can hear a voice tenderly Calling today Come with me to the banquet house You're invited by heaven's door Come and drink of his joy and peace. Come and feast on his love. But at the door there's one thing, my friend. Oh, you must leave everything to enter into the banquet house. The banquet house of the key. As a bird may fly many miles to return to its.
its nest Well, I've had to retrace my steps at times Or to find that place of rest And when my life seems to fall apart Well, it seems out of control Same place I found life anew. Oh, I found strength for my soul. Come with me to the banquet house. You're invited by heaven's dove. Come and drink of his joy and Come and feast on his love. But at the door there's one thing, my friend. Oh, you must leave everything to enter into the banquet house. The banquet house of the Come with me to the banquet house. Oh, it's a glorious place. Well, there a table has been prepared. Oh, and it's full of mercy and grace. And it's a place where... banquet house there ye shall find rest but at the door there's one thing my friend oh now you must leave everything oh everything to enter into the banquet house the banquet house of the keys. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jasper. I know that you, uh, back, uh, years ago did revivals with Brother Fred and sang and led worship and um, what a joy to have you here today singing and now a part of the membership here at Luke 418 Fellowship and we just praise God for you. Church, if you have your Bibles and I hope you do open up to the book of Proverbs, uh, you'll find that right after Psalms if you want to just go to the middle and maybe you're pretty close, right? For those, uh, whenever I read to the third graders at uh, at school, I always give them the page number, but I don't think it's going to help you today. Uh, 1019 in my Bible. Um, but flip open to the book of Proverbs. Now, I want to share with you, when you think of the book of Proverbs, and then you recognize that I like to go verse by verse, you're probably thinking, David, are we going to be in this for four years? No, maybe longer. Um, but, but the reality of it is, is this, is that... Um, I'm not going to go verse by verse through the book of Proverbs. That'd be very difficult and take years and years and years because every other sentence changes uh, focus, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to take a little bit of a topical study through the book of Proverbs. We're going to hit some of the highlights, some of the major focuses. Um, I have mapped out our, our study and it looks like it'll be about 12 weeks. Now, what I have learned is when I map it out, and I think it's going to be 12 weeks, it usually just double that. So I think it may be around 12 to 15 weeks. Um, sometimes I try to pack too much into one Sunday morning, and so I have to make it a part B or a second part. And so we're going to be walking through the book of Proverbs. It, like I said, it's not going to be verse by verse, but we will see uh, some of the major themes, some of the topics that we see in the book of Proverbs. Now, as we go through this, um, my challenge to you is that you'd read a Proverbs a day uh, for now until we finish. 
So that means that if we are in this book for three months, you'll go through the book of Proverbs three times that you have read through it. Uh, Just be reading that constantly. Letting it wash over you. Be meditating on, dwelling in, delighting in God's Word. And so I just want to challenge you to be reading the book of Proverbs. Also, today we're going to be looking at the overview, but focusing in on chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Now, a proverb... What is a proverb? A proverb is a short saying that gives insight on life or on behavior, on human behavior. We must recognize that this book is broken down into multiple parts, but the proverbs come from three different people, but the main is King Solomon. Solomon is the author, as we see, uh, the proverb of Solomon, the son of David, uh, in verse 1. But we also, in chapter 30, have Agar, who speaks, and then also in chapter 31 is King Lemuel. Um, And so there are other sayings, other speakings in this, but the majority of the book is the, the, the speakings or the Proverbs of Solomon. So let's pick up with Proverbs verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1 through 7. The Proverb of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction to discern the saying of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth knowledge and discern, uh, dis- discretion. Sorry, A wise man will hear and increase in learning. A man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb... And a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. And Lord, I pray today that we would just uh, listen and obey what you are speaking. Father, as we sang just a moment ago, Father, may we, may we hear, may we listen, may we obey. We walk in obedience of your truth, Father. I pray today you'd put me on the front row and most of all that you would speak and Lord that I could hear and each of us could hear and place this into our lives. For it's in your precious and holy name. Amen. So the first thing I want us to start with is just who this book is written by or the Proverbs of and that is King Solomon. Now many of you have heard that King Solomon was the wisest man that walked on this earth. We see this in 1 Kings chapter 3. In 1 Kings chapter 3, uh, Solomon, in a dream, has uh, God speaks to him and he says, Ask me what you want. What do you want me to give you? Now, in verse 4, or excuse me, in verse 6, 7, 8, and 9, Solomon kind of gives this understanding. It says, Then Solomon said, You have shown great loving kindness to your servant David, my father, according, uh, according as he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness, of heart towards you, and you have reserved for him the great loving kindness that you have given him a son to sit on his throne, as it is this day. O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, yet I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. Your servant is in the midst of your people which you have chosen, a great people who are too many to be numbered or counted. So give your servant an understanding heart. To judge your people, to discern between good and evil, for who is able, uh, for who is able to judge the great people of yours? I, I love this, and I want to start here because I think that it helps us understand the book of Proverbs in the fact that Solomon, in his humility, recognized that he didn't have the wisdom to lead the people or the nation of Israel. In his humility, he saw that the people were were numerous and that he was young. He recognized his inability and he sought the Lord for wisdom. He sought the Lord to give him that which he needed to lead. Instead of seeking the Lord for for personal gain, instead of seeking the Lord for, for wealth and all these different things, he said, Lord, I need your wisdom to lead and to guide. So often, whenever we're crying out to God, we focus in on on the things that we want instead of focusing in on the Word of God and what we truly need. 
That's why in the book of James it says, if you lack wisdom, what? To ask and he will freely bestow wisdom upon you. Church, how often do we seek God for wisdom like Solomon did here in 1 Kings 3? How often do we say, Father, what I really need, yes, I want these things, I want this and I want that, but what I really need from you is wisdom. What I really need is guidance and direction on how to walk in this situation or in this circumstance. Oftentimes, we tell God what we want is for this circumstance to be over, right? But what we need is wisdom to walk in it so that others will see the wisdom of God and not ourself. So we recognize that as Solomon wrote, he's writing Proverbs as the wisest man on this earth, but it's because he submitted to the lordship of Christ. Because he's submitted to God and God is the one who's giving him the wisdom to be able to write this. Which goes back to 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed, right? Useful for teaching, training, rebuking, right? All these different things. And so what we've got to recognize is that Solomon cried out to God. God bestowed upon him wisdom. And then he wrote these proverbs. This comes from the Lord. Now we also have to recognize that Solomon didn't follow all of his guidance in the end of his life. Which is the reason why Jeroboam and Rehoboam split the kingdom after Solomon's rule. So we must listen and obey to the point that that we obey until the time that we breathe our last and we are with Christ for all eternity. This is not, hey, this is a season of my life, I'm going to follow these Proverbs. It's not a season of my life, I'm going to follow God's Word. We must put God's Word in our life to walk in that all the way until we stand before Him on the day that we breathe our last. The second thing that we see in this passage in verses 2 through 6 is the purpose. The purpose of Proverbs. Now we're going to spend quite a bit of time here today in 2 through 6 because I want us to look carefully at each of the purposes that we see. The first thing in this purpose is in verse 2. To know wisdom and instruction to discern the sayings of understanding. To know wisdom and instruction. The first thing that we see under the purpose is for you to receive or to get wisdom and instruction. I think that we need to define a few terms here. First off, knowledge is to have understanding or information about something, but wisdom is the ability to apply the knowledge to your daily life. Now, the other thing I want us to see is that Jesus, God, is not speaking to us as you need earthly wisdom. Now, our earthly wisdom, our our culture is really focused on higher learning, right? As soon as you get out of high school, it's where you're going to college. That's the first thing people talk about. Why? Because you need higher learning, higher education, all these different things. And we see what's happening in in our colleges today, right, with what they're teaching. God is not speaking about earthly wisdom, a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 1.20, this is what God says about earthly wisdom. Where's the wise man? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater of the age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Or what about in 1 Corinthians 3.19? For the wisdom of the world is foolish before God. For it is written, he is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasoning, uh, the reasoning of the wise, and they are useless. Church, we are not here seeking earthly wisdom. God has called us, and the, the purpose of Proverbs is to give godly wisdom. You know, Sometimes I like to go to, there's a, there's a website out there with a bunch of different articles called gotquestions.com. You can go there. Uh, I can't promise you that all the articles are, are perfect. But one of the articles that, that I read just recently spoke this about the difference between earthly and godly wisdom. It says, godly wisdom is, of course, from God and honors God. Godly wisdom starts with the fear of God and results in a holy life. Worldly wisdom, on the other hand, is not concerned with honoring God, but with pleasing oneself. With worldly wisdom, we may become educated, street smart, and have common sense that enables us to play the world's game successfully. But godly godly wisdom enables us to prepare ourselves for eternity. With godly wisdom, we trade earthly values for biblical values. I love that. 
with godly wisdom, we trade earthly values, the things that we value in this earth or in this world, we trade them with godly values. So as we look at this and we see that God is giving us wisdom through Proverbs, you know, it often says in Proverbs that the wise do this and the foolish do this. It uses those terms quite often. So as we define knowledge and as we defined wisdom a minute ago, let's just look at the difference real quickly between wisdom and foolishness. Because it says that earthly wisdom is what? Foolish, right? So wisdom is truly following God's truth. It's applying the knowledge of God's truth into our life and following it, right? Foolishness is not, oh, I was hammering something and I'd look the other way and hit my finger, right? Foolishness is not, oh, somebody did something just not real smart. Foolishness in the scripture is not following or denying God's truth. Let me just say that again. Foolishness in the scripture is not following or denying God's truth. Psalm 53.1 says, The fool says in his heart that there is no God. The fool says in his heart that there is no God. They are corrupt and have committed abominable injustice. There is no one who does good. The fool says in his heart there is no God. The foolish person, according to the word, is one who does not follow God's truth, denies that God exists. So we see in verse 2 that, we're, that the book of Proverbs is to give wisdom, but it also says to give instruction. And we have to be very careful with this. Instruction, when you look at it properly, means correction or discipline. Uh, so in the Hebrew and English lexicon, written by Brown, Driver, and Diggs, it says this, it points out that the word instruction here in verse 2 is better understood or better translated from the Hebrew to mean correction or discipline. So when it says that one of the purposes of Proverbs is for you to be wise or to get wisdom and also to get instruction, it means that to be wise also means to receive correction. To receive correction. Those who are wise listen to correction. Now, let me just be very transparent here. There, there is a major difference between correction and criticism. Some people say, well, I just give, uh, what is it? Constructional criticism. Can I just tell you, I don't think that's biblical. We need to give correction. We don't need to give criticism. There's never a place in Scripture that says, criticize your brother or sister in Christ. Even if we in our earthly smarts want to change it to good criticism. There is a call for correction. I love what Danny Aiken says. He says, speak, uh, he speaks this well. He says, correction or discipline entails a discipleship type of relationship where you can be warned about going in the wrong direction, rebuked when needed, corrected to go in a different way or think differently, and punished when you do not listen. One who is wise will be able to receive correction. Can I tell you, though, that our natural flesh instinct when somebody speaks correction into our life is what? Yeah, y'all got it. Defensiveness. Defense. No, no, whoa. One of the things that I have learned scripturally is that whenever I'm speaking into somebody's life, if they interrupt me as I'm sharing God's word, it's because they are quickly, they can't hear it. They're defending themselves even against God's holy word. Now, Let's just be very transparent as I've, as I've spoken here. In this correction, Galatians 6.1 tells us that it must be done in the spirit of gentleness. So can I even go further and say not only gentleness, but correction must come from somebody who actually has a relationship with you? Have you ever received correction from someone who doesn't have a relationship with you or you don't know? And... In that moment, I think it's, it's hard, I think it's impossible to receive that correction because you're like, who is this person and what's their motives? What's their heart behind it? But how beautiful is it when a brother or sister comes to you and says, hey, let me sit down and share with you about what I'm seeing, what's happening. 
And you, you listen to what they're saying. And in that moment, two things happen. One, you get to hear what your brother or sister is saying. And your brother and sister gets to see the true context of what's really happening. I'm not saying you're defending it. But they get to see the true context of what's taking place. Then you two can run together for the kingdom of God as you support one another as you walk through this. But correction that comes from someone that you don't know or somebody that doesn't have a true relationship with you, how do you receive that? I'll tell you what I do. If I get correction from someone I don't really know or, or something like that, and, uh, or somebody even says something to me that I'm like, I don't know if that's really, if they're speaking according to the word or if they're speaking according to the flesh, I will go to my brother in Christ, several of them, and I'll say, hey, here's what was said. If you see any of this in me, I'm going to repent, follow my face. If you don't, I'm going to release this and I'm going to move on. Church, the Proverbs are written for you to gain wisdom in God's word and correction. The second thing that we see is that the Proverbs says this in verse 3. It says to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. So we see the second thing that the Proverbs was written. The purpose is for you to know right from wrong. For you to know right from wrong. Listen, in my Christian ethics class that I've been taking, um, somebody asked me how my week was. It was it was interesting. I had a big paper that was due this week, but praise God, I got it done in time. But in my Christian ethics class, we have discussed the foundations of right and wrong. Because at the beginning of, of ethics comes to how do you get your morality? How do you get what is right and what's What's wrong? And for believers, we have a prescriptive view of morals or a deontology view, which means God prescribes the precepts as what is right. We have one who gives the prescription, shows us what is right. But let me just say, let me go further than that. It's not that it's right because God said it. It's right because God is righteousness. That's who he is. It's of his character. And so as he's speaking, he's speaking that which is right because of who he is. God is righteousness, so what is right comes truly from him. Wisdom is allowing God to show us what is right. But see, the world's view of right and wrong comes from a teleology view, and which points out that what is morally right is based on the effects or the consequence that happens from what you did. So I'll give you an example. You do something and you feel good about it or you like the effect of it or, or it feels right to you. Well, the effects were good, so therefore it's morally right. See, the Word of God shows us that right and wrong is not a matter of your own interpretation or your own opinion. But the word of God gives us his truth that we can see that which is right and that which is wrong. A foolishness is thinking that you determine right and wrong. Right and wrong based on anything other than God is built on shifting sand. If you don't believe me, just look at the culture. What I dealt with 20 years ago, 30 years ago, the kids now are dealing with something totally different. Why? Because the shifting sand of culture has changed morality. But can I tell you that what I learned 30 years ago in God's Word, and what I'm learning today, is it still stands. The next thing that we see is in verse 4. To give prudence to the naive, the youth, knowledge, and dis, uh, uh, discretion. To give prudence to the naive. This is so interesting to me. I love this. The youth are naive. The youth do not have wisdom or foolishness. They are naive. A young person is not foolish. Remember, foolishness is thinking that you can create right and wrong. Foolishness is not trusting and following God's truth. The naive need to be taught the truth. 
Why do you think in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, in the Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Why is it right after that, what is the command of Moses to the nation of Israel? To speak it to your children. To write it on the doorpost. That when you sit, when you stand, wherever you're going, share the truth with them. Church, our children, from birth all the way up, our children need to be trained in the righteousness of the truth. Train up a child in the ways you go. Train them up in, in the ways of the Lord. Church, we must be, and I'm talking to parents, I'm talking to all those that are working in our children's ministry, but listen, I'm talking to all of us. The way that you live your life is helping a student, a child, grow in the ways of the Lord if you're following the truths of God's Word. Our children, it says, to give understanding, prudence, knowledge, and discretion to the children. Church, we must raise them up in the truth. Can I tell you, if parents, if we don't teach our kids the word of God, that it is the truth and that it helps you know right from wrong, if we don't teach them that, the culture will. The culture will. Now, we have to be careful in how we walk with our children because sometimes we can be so over the top and pressing in and pressing in that as soon as they have a chance of freedom, they run completely from Everything has been taught. You know, I've shared with you at our house, one of the things that I tell my kids all the time is, I don't want you to do just something just because daddy said it. I want to open up the word and say, let's see where it says in the word. And I want you to follow his word. That's why I'm telling you to do this or to do that. Because at the end of the day, if all they're doing it is because daddy said then really they're just being a man pleaser, a daddy pleaser. But the reality of it is I want them to please God. So it goes on, it says this in verse 5 and 6. It says, A wise man will hear an increase in knowledge. A man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. Oh, church, I love this. Another purpose is to get counsel. Now, I shared earlier that we are called to allow correction in our life, right? But there's a difference between correction and counsel. We seek counsel when we're trying to figure out which direction we need to go. Now, here's the thing. We must be careful that when we seek counsel, we're seeking counsel from God's holy word. Now, we're called to go to one another to seek guidance. Proverbs even says that with wisdom... Uh, it says this, it says there, with many counselors, there's wisdom or there's, you can succeed. Church, we must realize that we're called according to the scripture to go and to seek godly counsel. But can I tell you a word of warning? Even a believer who is walking in the flesh or quenching the spirit will give you counsel that's not true to God's word. So when we seek counsel... We must make sure that the one who is speaking into our life is not telling us what we want to hear, but showing us what God's word says. Let me just say that again, because it's real easy for us in our human nature. We know where to go. I know who to call. That person will take my side. That person will tell me exactly what I want to hear, and everything will be good. As a believer, though, we're called to seek those who do not tell us what we want to hear, but point us back to God's holy word. But you know, it also says here in verse 5 and 6, it says, a wise man will hear. Which means we're always called to be growing in our understanding of God's word. Have you ever met somebody who knows it all? I don't know why y'all are laughing. <laughs> One who thinks that they have everything, they got all the understanding... The scripture tells us that if you're truly wise, then you're going to be one who hears and listens to counsel. If you're truly a wise man or a wise woman, you're going to be one who listens to counsel and continues to grow in their understanding. Even a man of understanding will acquire wisdom. Church, we don't stop growing 
and learning and allowing the wisdom of God to wash over us until we breathe our last and then we stand before the throne for all eternity. We're in heaven for all eternity and we're with Christ. Can I tell you that this is one of the reasons why at 39 years old I decided to go back to school? was because I believe that, that there's more to be learned, to grow and to be strengthened in God's word. I will also tell you that I'm very thankful at 39. I take it a lot more serious than I would have at 22. At 22, I'd have just written a paper to get a grade. Now I'm writing a paper because I want to use it. I want to grow in understanding. I've actually enjoyed my reading. And, and people that are 22 and 23 are like, really, David? Really? Yeah, I really do. So we see here that even the wise are called to learn and to grow. Now, the third thing that we see in this passage, first we see that King Solomon has, these have been Proverbs that he has spoken. Then we see, uh, and I want to be clear real quick, some people may say, David, do we, are we sure King Solomon is the author? We know that King Solomon is the one who spoke these things. Whether somebody else wrote that down specifically, I mean, we're not going to get into those types of uh, little things here and there, but we know from the scripture that Solomon was the one through the Holy Spirit who spoke these things. But the third thing that we see, the first thing is, is that the author, King Solomon, or the one who spoke them is King Solomon. The second thing is the purpose of Proverbs. I think all of us can say we all need it now that we've seen the purpose of it. It, all, it, it fits for every one of us, whether we're naive or whether we're wise. We need the wisdom of God. But then the third thing we see is how do we get wisdom? How do we get wisdom? So in this question of how do we get wisdom... We see the answer in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The beginning of wisdom, the beginning of instruction comes from a fear of God. Now, we know this because we have seen this before, we've talked about it, but this understanding of fear is a reverence or a trust. So we could say that wisdom begins with reverence and trust of God. Now, this trust starts at what we call salvation. Think about this for a moment. If you're going to trust the words of God, how can you trust all the words of God except for the one that, that where he speaks of salvation that brings you from death to life? So if we're going to understand and recognize this, how do we grow wisdom? We grow wisdom, or how do we get wisdom? We start by trusting God as our Lord and Savior. Even Paul made it, made it very clear when he said this in the book of uh, First uh, Corinthians, verse 15, chapter 15, I'm sorry. He said this, he said, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scripture, and that he appeared to Cephas, Peter, then to the twelve. Church Paul said, I gave to you of first importance. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wisdom begins, starts with a trust and a belief in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The scripture tells us in Romans chapter 3 verse 23. The scripture tells us that all have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 tells us that the gift of uh, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Church, when we recognize that this is the truth. The truth is, is that we're sinners in need of a Savior. The truth is, is that God sent His only Son to die on the cross so that we could have the free gift of eternal life. The truth is, is that in Romans 5, 8, that God in His love, even though we were sinners, He sent His Son to die on the cross for us. The truth is, is that in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you believe and confess 
that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that uh, God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. If this is truth, then we must believe that. Because if we don't believe and trust the essentials of salvation, which is in Christ Jesus, then how are we going to trust anything else that he said? But I also tell people, if you can trust God with your salvation, you can trust him with everything else. How do we receive wisdom? And I know the points are backwards here, but number three is how do we receive wisdom? True wisdom starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. To trust, have reverence for, fear of the Lord. But here's the beauty of it. The reason that wisdom begins with salvation or trust and belief in Jesus is because wisdom has a name. And that name is Jesus. Let me just show you a few passages. Isaiah 11, 2 through 3. I actually start with verse 1. It says, Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the Spirit of, what is it? Wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and strength. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge by what the eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. Then we go over and we see in Luke 2.52, Jesus, who is the fulfillment of that prophecy in Isaiah 11, It says, Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Later in Jesus' ministry, when he was speaking with uh, those around, he said this. He was talking about signs and he said this. The queen of the south will rise up with men of this generation at judgment and condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Who is that? Jesus. Church wisdom. Wisdom has a name. Wisdom is Jesus. Look at what it says in Colossians 2. The end of verse 2 and on to verse 3, it says this, Christ himself in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You want to know wisdom? Know Christ. You want to begin to be wise? It starts with a salvation in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You're not going to understand right from wrong until you come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and you recognize that what is right and wrong comes forth from the heart of God because He is righteous. You're not going to gain wisdom until you recognize that wisdom comes from God and God alone. You're not going to be able to receive counsel according to the word of God until you have trusted that God is who he says he is and he does that which he says he will do and that when he promised to send his son to die on the cross, he did that. And his son died on the cross and praise God, he rose again on the third day, conquering death, hell, and the grave. Church, I want to close with this. This is the beauty of Proverbs. This is the beauty of the Scripture. This is the beauty of God's Word. Is that wisdom is not just a simple set of rules for you to follow. No. Wisdom's a person. It's Jesus. And He walks with you. He talks with you. It's not that I just have to follow these, re- these rules and regulations, but I have Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within me to walk with me every day, to guide me in wisdom and understanding, to give me counsel, to show me what is right and righteous, to show me how to correct when areas of my life are not walking in accordance to His Word. Church, wisdom is a person and is Jesus Christ, and He walks with us. And he does that 
through the Holy Spirit. As the scripture tells us that Jesus, when he went to leave, he said, my father will not leave you as orphans. I'm going to, he's going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to dwell within you. And he's going to show you and direct you and guide you. Church, it's the wisdom of God that dwells within us. We recognize today that it's his wisdom that walks with us. That wisdom comes from Christ and Christ alone. And so church, I ask, Do you see the importance of the book of Proverbs? Church, I ask, are you able to receive counsel? Church, I ask, are you able to receive when somebody gives you correction? But church, you can't do any of that if you don't have a relationship with Christ. Have you turned to Jesus? Have you surrendered your life to the Lordship of Christ? Christ.